The Transformers War for Cybertron is finally up on Netflix. And I'm saying finally because it feels like it took forever for the show to actually premiere because I'm not saying that I'm like super active in the Transformers fandom, but I've been watching the toys drip, drip, drip out and wishing that I had the money to get quite a few of them because they look really cool. But it's finally here and it's up. And I'm sorry, I can't wait to tell you that I loved it. It is really good and actually has a story. And so we're going to be talking about the War for Cybertron Siege series. Part one of the trilogy on today's episode of Project Shadow. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Project Shadow. My name's Charlie. You might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset. And yes, on this episode, we are going to be talking about Transformers, War for Cybertron Siege, or I guess I should say War for Cybertron Trilogy Part 1 Siege, because that's kind of how it's listed on the thing. So, yeah. Okay. Long names aside... It is finally up on the Netflix, and if you are new to the podcast, don't worry, I'm not going to get into spoilers until I warn you, because I know some people are spoiler-phobic, and I honestly don't want to spoil too much about this, unless you consider, like, the names of characters that appear in it spoilers, and then I guess you don't watch trailers or pay attention to the toy announcements or anything, because, yeah, they've been announcing a lot of toys, and honestly, a lot of the characters they announced in toys weren't in the episodes that we've seen so far, so I'm assuming they're coming. Okay, so this story uses a lot of G1-inspired designs for the characters, hearkening all the way back to the original 1980s cartoon, which, I have to say, I approve. I don't think that the characters always have to look like their G1 counterparts. The Transformers Prime series is a very good example of that, where the characters are roughly reminiscent of their original form, but they're not exactly their G1 appearance. In fact, they're somewhere between G1 and the movies in appearance. But it works, because modernizing the characters is important, but this is kind of a reboot and refresh for everything Transformers as we're entering the post-Michael Bay world. Which, honestly, I, I'm, I'm almost more excited about that than I am about anything else. I know he's technically on to exec produce still, but he's usually hands off with that because, well, if it's not, if he doesn't get to yell at people and make things explode, he generally doesn't pay all that much attention. So we should be fine. You know, at least if, if Bumblebee is any example of what we're going to be getting in the movies, I'm fine with it. So the story takes place on Cybertron I don't want to say at the beginning of the war, because the war has been raging for thousands of years, but that in and of itself is a very different thing from the Transformers that we usually get, where the war has been raging for hundreds of thousands or millions of years by the time we meet our characters. So comparatively to other 
Transformer stories, we're fairly early in the war. Optimus Prime is still trying to learn his leadership style. Megatron is not quite the ruthless villain that we've come to know him as. And the one thing that I have to say about this show is that they gave the characters depth. They gave the characters, like, fears and concerns. And I can't believe I get to say this. It's been such a long time. Character arcs? Yes, yes, it's a Transformer series with character arcs. It can happen, and they're wonderful. And don't even get me started about the art style, but you know, I'm going to be talking about the art style. There is so much to talk about in this series. There is so much to go into. I'm going to say this is a four and a half star beginning, because we'll have to see where it goes. But I, I, it's almost a full five. It's almost a full five. And you know, I don't like giving star ratings, but man, is this good. As we meet our new characters, one of the things that I found amazing about this show is the prominence of female Transformers in this series. Not that they haven't been a part of the show for a while. We really saw that starting to ratchet up, especially with Prime. Even in Beast Wars, we got some more prominent female characters. So it's something that they've been doing on the show for a while. But there's something about the way Alita 1 is written in here that in a lot more ways feels fully fleshed out. Like she is a real character in ways that many of the female characters in previous series didn't. But I, I don't fault the previous series for that. Many of the characters in a lot of the previous series were really simplified because they were thinking children's TV. So they're they're very high concept characters, right? This show is not children's TV. I'm not saying that you can't watch it with kids, but this isn't you, this isn't the Transformers that I grew up on, on. When they get shot, they get shot. They are getting chunks taken out of them, big hunkin' holes. Characters die. I mean, characters die, which really ratchets up the tension because you don't know who's going to make it and who's going to die be- when you are like, oh my goodness, they killed that one? Uh, this one might die too. You, you just don't know. And I, I enjoy that. I really like that. And I think you, you can do that even in quote-unquote kids programming. Especially if it's done well in kids programming. When I was a kid, the show that amazed me the most was Robotech. Because, you know, when characters died... I'm trying not to give spoilers for that in case... You know, it's been a generation or two since that came out, so there may be some of you who have never watched it. When characters die in that show, they are dead, and the the cast actually takes time to mourn them. It's not just something that's forgotten. It has a lasting effect on the story. And that was the first thing that I saw as a kid where that happened. And especially if you're doing a show about war, there should be a price to warfare. And... This Transformers series, more than any of the others that I've ever seen, really shows the cost of war. None of the characters are shiny. None of the characters are clean. All of the characters have battle scars and scratches and broken glass windows. And the art style really gives you a sense of how beaten Cybertron is by this point in time and how 
beaten down the Cybertronians are. The art style for this kind of worried me at first because it reminded me of Titan's Return and all of that thing, which, not to fault Machinima, it was, it, it was fine. It, it was fine. It was hard to watch because they made it, I think, intentionally hard to watch because you had to get that Go90 app to watch it. And who had the Go90 app? And those of us who did download it to watch it probably, like me, deleted the Go90 app after it was over. But it, it was fine. But they went a step further. This feels more to me like the Star Wars Clone Wars animation in that it is picturesque and cinematic in the way that they use the CG. And that is very refreshing. The characters are blocky. They are robotic. And it really serves the story to remind you that they're not human. In some of the animated shows, it really gets blurry because they let them twist and turn in ways that look good in animation. But you're thinking, their body's made of metal. It really wouldn't be able to bend like that <laughs> and kind of take you out a little bit. This one, they, they are definitely robots made of metal. And they're gorgeous. They are absolutely gorgeous from start to finish. And they take moments for silence, which is another thing that I really didn't expect in a Transformers show to have moments of just, that happened. And everything stops. The soundtrack falls away. And you just have moments of character reaction faces. I'm not saying that this is like Oscar-worthy writing, because it's still a Transformer show, and they say the words war and treaty a little bit too much to the point where you almost want them to get a thesaurus and just say conflict or struggle or <laughs> strife or something instead of war all the time. But, you know... It's Hasbro, so you gotta nail that brand. But story is actually at the heart of the series, and that brings it to life. This is a series that feels very intentionally made for the fans in a way that I've never seen them do a Transformer show before. While they do remind you who characters are by saying their names so that they get introduced and by giving you snippets of their backstory, and it is slightly different from earlier incarnations of these characters, the characters are so reminiscent of their earlier or original appearances that when Alita One first appears on screen, I freaked out because I did not realize that she was going to be a part of it. I paused it and went off to the hubby and went on this whole thing about, oh my goodness, that's Alita One. She was Orion Pax's original girlfriend before Orion Pax got damaged by Megatron and got turned into Optimus Prime. And like when it did this whole thing about the backstory of Alita One, and I was like, I hope that's her because it looks so much like her. And then like hit play and like two seconds later, it was like, Alita. And I was like, yay! It's Alita One. But she and the others have a backstory. They have, they're, they're pulling on things that if you're an old school fan, if you've been watching Transformers since the beginning, or if you've caught up on Transformers over the years, and even if you've read some of the comics and surrounding materials, they're pulling a lot of that in to inform the story. 
and give you even more depth. But, and this is a brilliant thing that a lot of very fan-focused productions forget to do from time to time, they're not expecting you to know. <laughs> like, they're not expecting you to have watched the last, what, 34 years of Transformers? 36 years of Transformers? So they do stop and tell you who these people are. They've done some interesting twists on some of the characters. I, I'm really curious to see what they're going to do with Chromia, since Chromia is a character in here. Because I, I don't want to give any spoilers, because they haven't done any of the things, and I don't know if they're going to come in the future, so I'm going to count that as a potential future spoiler, but there are a couple storylines that they could do with Chromia that would be really interesting to see in this style of storytelling. And I keep seeing setups that could be like, ooh, ooh, we're going to go over there. Ooh, ooh, no, maybe we're going to go over there. And as an OG fan, it's really thrilling to watch because it's not just, oh, and here's the Freak of the Week, which is how most of the Transformers shows have gone over the years, where they set up a story and here's our new toy and we introduce our character, we do our story arc, and then we're done. And then we basically reset for the next episode, and then we do it all again, and again, and again. And that's, again, how most children's programming has traditionally been done. But since Avatar The Last Airbender showed us the way that you can tell really sophisticated stories that people of all ages can enjoy, I, at least, have come to expect more from animated programming. And you see some shows trying to do that. The new She-Ra is a very good example of that. The new Voltron was a really good example of that, until it wasn't. <sighs> and you can see some of the interesting things that they're trying to do with like the Dragon Prince. This, to me, feels like the first time in Transformers that they're seriously trying to give us this deep story to go along with the characters that we got in other competing media and it's so refreshing it is so welcome and the amount of detail that they're going into you really feel like you're getting to know the characters and everything is not black and white Autobots are working with Decepticons and Decepticons are working with Autobots and there's betrayals and people switching sides and all kinds of chaos because it's war but they got the heart of the characters right. This Starscream, oh my goodness. Okay, OG Starscream, G1, will probably always be my favorite because he was, you know, my first, and you never forget your first Starscream. But Prime Starscream was right up there as my second favorite because Prime is my second favorite show. This show is trying to rival Transformers Prime for me, and I didn't think a new Transformers show could do that. <laughs> so that is thrilling. The story is really, really compelling. Spoiler alert. Spoilers are incoming. Be advised, I will be talking about some events that take place in the Transformers War for Cybertron Trilogy Siege. Yeah, that's a mouthful. I'm not going to go into like deep, deep spoilers because I feel like I want to wait for people to see more of it and then see if there's interest to go into some of the more deeper things because I could really talk about this 
season, this part, whatever I'm supposed to call it, for hours and days. And y'all know I can do that. But there will be spoilers. So you have been warned. Spoilers are incoming in five, four, three, two, one. I don't know if they killed Optimus Prime. I really don't. I have seen a couple people who have put up videos and other descriptions of what happened at the end trying to explain what happened. I'm going to be honest, the ending is vague. The ending is vague on purpose, and I don't think any of us will know until part two comes out what happened. Because personally, I think they're going to end up going to Kaminus or Velocitron, both planets that have been name-dropped in this season. So we know that they exist in this particular universe. It's also possible that this is going to bring in more of the spooky elements and the big thing, weirdness, crazy moment at the very end of the season was a sign that they're going to see Primus and the Primes. Because I don't know how many people saw Transformers Cyberverse or uh, what was the series there before? I always want to say Transformers Animated, but it wasn't. Anyway, the one that preceded it, I think it was Robots in Disguise, maybe, where Optimus spends a lot of time training with the Primes in this kind of psycho-spiritual dimension and then returns. We may see something more like that. And I, I say that in particular as something I'm pretty sure might be happening, just because we get this kind of hint when the Alpha Trion protocols go into Bumblebee and Bumblebee kind of goes into that similar looking spiritual plane that we saw in those previous series to talk to not Alpha Trion but the protocols of Alpha Trion and oh the splitting of hairs (laughs) but we get to see some of that so there's a good chance that we may be getting to see some of the primes I think there's a chance that we're going to see some of some other things, but I'm going to talk about what I think is coming up in part two and three a little bit later in the show. I want to talk right now more about what happened in this, in the episodes that we got. The relationship between Optimus and Alita has always been something very interesting that goes all the way back, like I said earlier, to G1. And I like the way that they portrayed it. There is a trust there, but there's still doubt. They're still trying to feel out how their relationship is going to work, especially a relationship with each other in the midst of a war. I do like how they use this motif of repeated lines where one character will say something earlier and another character repeats it in a similar or different context later to show this kind of balance in everything that's going on between them. I like playing them as star-crossed lovers. I, I think that that works particularly well in a war-themed show. I almost, almost, wish that they'd gone just a little bit more Casablanca with the end, where if you've seen Casablanca, this is a spoiler I will give because that movie's like 60 years old, so, and it's a classic, so if you haven't, if you don't know the big spoiler at the end of Casablanca, then wow. Um, but Rick gives up his true love for the sake of fighting the battle. The battle is the most important thing, and he thinks that she might die if he holds on to her. 
And so he chooses a life of unhappiness for a greater good. And you could kind of see them setting up for that in the relationship that they developed between Optimus and Alita, but it never quite got there. And I kind of wish it would have, but okay. I, I, I do like how it ended up by the end, but I don't know. Maybe it's just my cold, dark, black heart. But I, I like a little bit more bittersweet in my star-crossed lovers than what I got. I would be remiss if I didn't spend a decent amount of time talking about Bumblebee. Because finally, we're getting a real Bumblebee character that is not a direct descendant of a Michael Bay story. Because it's not that I don't like the Bumblebee that we got in the Michael Bay Bay stuff, because it's hard to know what I feel about any of the characters in Michael Bay, because there aren't really characters in the Michael Bay movies. But even the Bumblebee that was appearing in like Cyberverse and in the Bumblebee movie, I I miss a Bumblebee that can talk. (laughs) I just, okay. It was cute when they did that in the first Transformers movie. Okay. Bumblebee can't talk. And he talks with like cute hip pop culture references, at least if you're Michael Bay and think that a stereo playing songs from the seventies that a young kid would recognize would be cool okay, fine, That that's what we're doing. But that doesn't have to be every version of Bumblebee. That doesn't have to be every version of Bumblebee. And so I'm really excited to see a Bumblebee that can talk. Furthermore, I like that he's a different Bumblebee than we've gotten before. He looks so much like the G1 Bumblebee, but he's not just like believing in the best in people and automatically on the side of the Autobots. Having him be an Energon scavenger was such an interesting way to treat Bumblebee because I can see how Bumblebee could go from just, I just want peace being on the outskirts to characters like the Bumblebee that we have met in many of the other series. And I like the idea of that story arc. I got a little concerned when he got the Alpha Trion protocols downloaded in him because I'm just like oh are they just gonna like wipe him and he's suddenly gonna be like Autobots ho because that would then make the Autobots as complicit in the dark things in the setting as Megatron who's wanting to mind wipe everybody and so I'm glad that it didn't go there I got a little concerned about that but I'm glad that it didn't go there I'm interested to see where they take his character just because he knows more of the shady people in the underworld. And that's interesting. I like that. Bumblebee has become such a focus of the Transformers since the Bayverse movie started that we're getting a lot more nuanced and interesting takes on him just because he is one of the characters that most people are familiar with. And this idea of him as a scoundrel is fascinating to me. Because it fits in the larger mythology that they have established and lore for the character of Bumblebee, who always kind of had a roguish quality to him. He always had kind of a dark sense of humor in a lot of ways. But you knew he had been through things. Like He would every now and then break his jovial exterior and say something that was like, oh, wow, you've been through stuff, haven't you? And they kind of 
veered way too far in the Bayverse where he's just, you know, broken and just a soldier with very little personality who like pees on people because, oh, Michael Bay, why did you have Bumblebee? I'm sorry, lubricate the man. Can I just say, calling it lubrication does not make it better. Like, it doesn't make it better. Like, ugh. Anyway. One of these days, I will wipe some of the Baver stuff from my mind, and it will be okay again. But to give him this kind of a character arc, where we get to see him struggling, where we get to see him dealing with Sound Blaster, and can I just say, shout out for Sound Blaster, that is a deep cut for the OG Transformers fans. Like, as soon as I heard his name, I was just like, oh, this is going to be great. And he was everything that I wanted him to be, though there needs to be a showdown at some point between Sound Blaster and Soundwave. That has to happen. That has to happen. This is why I, I, I cut half a star off, because if that doesn't happen, we're probably going to go down to a four star just on that alone. Sound Blaster and Soundwave have to have some kind of a like crazy fight off in some way, shape, or form, it has to happen. I need it. I'm not going to go into the history of the character, but look it up. It's it's amazing. But getting to see him know the underworld and how to navigate the underworld, that's going to be so valuable and so powerful in this show. I just can't wait to see what they do next. Going forward, I think we're going to find out who the masters were. I think that they are going to come in at some point, and we're probably going to learn that Megatron is secretly working for them or with them in some way. And I, I'm just going to put it down now that I think it's going to be the Quintessons. I think it's going to be the Quintessons or one of the versions of the Quintessons that has happened. It could be Alpha Quintesson, it could be Quintessa, it could be one of the versions of that. But I think that we're eventually going to find out that he is working for the Masters, and that's why he's trying to have total control. That he wants power, because the more power he can have over others, the more freedom they give him because they're going for nuanced stuff. And this may just mean me wanting Megatron to be a much more nuanced character than they're going to end up with. But that that's kind of where I'm hoping that they go with him. I'm also kind of hoping that Soundwave does some experiments on Ultra Magnus and we get Nemesis Prime. Or we get some version of that character. We've already seen the Sparkless. They've been brought into this. We have seen the iconography of Dark Energon used in the show. I don't know if they're going to go that way. I don't know if we're going to get any mention of Primus or Unicron, though that would be just icing on the cake for this show if they end up waking Primus. Like, that's the that's the goal, is this is till all are one, and the final part three episode is a fight between planet Unicron and planet Primus going after each other till all are one, that would be utterly, utterly amazing. I don't know that they're going to go there, but I'm just saying, they're really pushing this till all are one. And maybe whoever controls the AllSpark will control whether or not Cybertron becomes Primus or Unicron or something like that. But they're really pushing the till all are one. Megatron says it, Optimus says it, 
they're planning something, something big to reveal with that till all are one. And I would love to see a full on Primus versus Unicron fight in this, in this art style. That would just be phenomenal. I do think either Alita or Optimus are definitely going to die one or both of them. Probably, probably just because of the, it's going to be a fake out. It's going to look like it's going to be Optimus and Alita is going to sacrifice herself for him. And we get the fake out Optimus prime death. And then we have to deal with Optimus going into a rage because Alita died. I kind of feel that they're setting up for that. I do think that Optimus and the gang went to one of the other planets and it's probably going to be Caminus. And that's how they're going to bring other characters in and the other parts is they're going to space bridge back from Caminus, or maybe they're going to go out and find the lost light. That would be amazing too. I can see a lot of places that they can go with how this season ended and every path that I see, I'm excited about. And it's also possible that they'll go in a completely different way that I don't, <laughs> that I don't see coming or don't see set up. So we will see. But if you have never watched Transformers series, and you're wanting for an interesting place to start. And you don't want to try to hunt down Transformers Prime, because I can tell you from start to finish, that's a good show. And a really good place to start to get into Transformers. This is a good place to start. The characters are good. The animation is beautiful. And it actually has a story. It, it's not the, the most beautifully written thing. We, we have yet to have our Avatar The Last Airbender of Transformers series, but I can still whisper of a dream that that will happen one day. But it's good. I hope you enjoyed this show. We are back to doing daily episodes this week. And I'm going to be doing more reviews and stuff like I used to. So be prepared for that. If there's anything in particular that you want to make sure that I do a review of, do let me know. Down in the show notes, you will find a link to the voice message system. Keep it short. Keep it clean. I think it cuts you off at one minute. So keep it short. If you have any questions, comments, or topics you would like to hear on the show, do let me know down there. It... I love hearing from you and I love doing what you want because that helps generate ideas. And I know that it's something that people out there actually want to hear. Alrighty. You can also find me on social media. I'm CD Dorset pretty much everywhere, but you can find links to everything that I do over at projectshadow.com, including my fiction world and my new fan fiction world that I am doing his dark instruments. So excited about that. We'll be doing live streams and stuff. Find links to my YouTube channel over there. I've been doing a lot of live streams, videos, and stuff over there. Just hit 100 subscribers. So, so excited about that. Thank you all. It really means the world to me. I would also, going into this, say thank you again to the new Patreon member. The newest person to help me out over there. You, I, I'm, uh, I'm getting emotional. I need to, just one second. Thank you, Eva Wrights, for joining my Patreon. It does mean the world to me that anybody supports what I do. If you would like to be like Eva Wrights and support me either on Patreon, Coffee, or through listener support, all the links for that are down in the show notes or wherever the show notes are on your thing or go to projectshadow.com. There are links there as well. Thank you all so much for your support. It means the world to me. It really, really does. If you don't have any money right now or you don't feel like giving, that's perfectly all right. But consider sharing anything that I do, because the hardest part of all, the hardest thing to do in this industry is to get people to know that you exist. So sharing really is caring. Get the word out. It makes a huge, huge difference. Alrighty. I think that's it for me today. 
I hope you enjoy this new format. Tomorrow will be a story. So a very new kind of episode for me. I'm going to be doing stories on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And don't forget, World Building 201 starts on Wednesday. And until next time, as we end everything on my channel, we haven't fixed anything. Remember, Black Lives Matter, Black Trans Lives Matter. Say her name. We need to fix this country. Don't forget. Don't become complacent. And until next time, don't forget to have the fun. Bye.